0: Here's what's coming up this week on the Bowls podcast. They might make my bum look a bit big. Stop it with that BS talk. Sue me now. My boy! I am not selecting any Chargers players whatsoever. Black touch. They stuck two bananas on their helmet, for goodness sake. Still in shock of that. That is a hot.
1: Tarad Herbert. 50 burger.
0: 50 burger. <laughs> We're winning the Super Bowl, baby!
1: Super Bowl!
2: Let's see if they've got a quarterback or if he's got mono or something this year.
0: Yikes, yikes. This city is powder blue. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and this podcast will bring you the latest LA Chargers news, predictions, analysis and the hottest takes around. I'm going to introduce you to my three co-hosts now. First up, we have John Wozniak Jr. from Sheffield here in England. John is the founder and editor in chief of ChargedUpBolts.com, and rumor has it that during the Cold War he was spotted on the famous Bridge of Spies. Evening, was. Good evening. How are you doing? Average. No, good. (laughs) Um, Also joining me is our Costa Rican correspondent, Mr. John Ayres, co-founder and senior editor of the Charged Up Bolts online magazine, who I hear is a pretty big deal when he hits the tables in Vegas. Uh, Evening, John.
1: Evening. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a pretty big deal. Uh, I had one good win, and that's been cancelled out by many, many, many bad times. So,
0: no <laughs> oh dear. And uh, last but not least, our own Mr. Hollywood himself from Colchester here in England, Dan King. So um, I believe you played a bit of a starring role in Backstage Chargers Episode 5.
2: Oh, definitely. It was... Um, what a time to be alive, hey? Um, just seeing your name up in lights and meeting all the stars... It's it's just impossible for anyone to follow, surely.
0: Yeah, the new local celebrity, I love it. Um, so most importantly, guys,
1: let's start off. What's everyone drinking tonight?
3: Uh, I've got some water uh, on the back of my
1: 80k spin this afternoon. <laughs> well, I'm enjoying some of the local flavor here. Um, some wonderful homemade homebrew coffee, Costa Rican style. So it's, uh, it's keeping me up and charged up, ready to go.
2: See, I'm a, I'm more of a spiced rum guy. I'm spiced rum and ginger beer all evening. Well, not all evening. It's warm. But. It, is, it is pretty hot, you know
0: i feel like i'm betraying the charges tonight i mean episode one and i'm already ruining it because my drink is uh jack daniel's tennessee honey so um you know maybe this is going to become a tight ty- no let's not go there <laughs> um so the first thing i think we'll start with guys is some charges news news of the week what's been going off on the on sea uh, on the off season so i think the biggest charges news to start off the discussion is the launch of the charge.bolts.com website <laughs> i'm not not been too biased there i think <laughs> uh, but was you know tell me a bit about about the site um, where's it come from what's it there for
3: so i launched the uh, or came up with the concept for chargersatballs.com just over 6 weeks ago uh, the idea is to support the chargers number one to unite the fan base and give people a chance to voice their view on the game um, a lot of positivity around the chargers going into the uh, new season that's dis- despite our terrible 2019 uh, outing but uh, i've got a love for um, the sport uh, i love writing and uh, it, it's it's
0: a i think it's just a great thing to do to support the charges yeah oh, absolutely and um john Ayers over in costa rica how on earth did you get involved and what are you uh, looking forward
1: to on the, from the website Uh, well, you know, just to be clear for everybody listening, I am originally from Southern California in Orange County, so I've been uh, a local Charger fan there in the States for many, many years, but, um, I mean, I've just been very active on the message boards, um, there's an awesome Discord server that, uh, Uh, Chargers Homer has set up so if any of you are online and you've seen that you should check it out some good stuff in there Uh, and on Twitter as well so you know I was just really active in there and uh, you know I got invited to participate in the launching of this new site um, dedicated you know to the fans voice and I thought well I'm a fan and I have a voice so why not get going so here I am and we're really grateful to have you so, uh DK, Dan King,
0: Colchester to the Chargers. Come on, talk to me about what you're looking forward to from the website and what people can expect from you.
2: Oh, I'm I'm just looking to kinda of get involved and get to get to chat to some more like minded people. Um I used to do writing way back when, um, but it's been a few years and it's just nice to get back into back into the swing of things and just write about something that I really care about. Uh used to be really active on the Chargers subreddit, but that's probably been Two or three seasons since I've let that slip. It just got a little bit toxic, so it's good to get some kind of friendly um, environment going, just where we can kind of reach out and get more people involved.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when when Was came to me and said, you know, it's it's by the fans for the fans. I'm a bit like you guys, sort of wrote stuff on, on the forums before they got deleted and destroyed from my life forever and um and, and had very opinionated and i was like i can't get anyone to, to read it there's no there's no outlet for this so similar i was really excited to uh to get involved and then thought it was a, a good good time to get a podcast going for for the wider uh, charges um, fan base um, get people involved and uh, you know really excited about the project um what have we got uh, what's the next article was you're going to come up with
3: Oh, well, you'll have to wait and see. Uh, spoiler alert. No, you'll have to wait and see. Now, it's I like um, it. It, it's, I, Actually, I, I did a, a TV timeout piece on, on the uh, Chargers uh, three road trips. So I'm going to draw one out of the hat, price it up, get it booked and then uh, d- do a small article about it
0: exciting no no really looking forward to seeing the content and uh, and getting getting everything up and running and um, hopefully bringing on some new people that if, if anyone out there that's listening is a burning desire to write about the chargers um you know let us know get in touch at editor at charge.bolts.com and we'll uh, we'll get you involved and um and get you part of the project so on to some actual chargers news this offseason i don't know about anyone else but my oh, I was so excited about the new jerseys. They, The hype campaign, the marketing that came out of, uh, of the Chargers, Twitter and Instagram, was next level. And I was frothing at the mouth. And I thought, do you know what? These these jerseys can never live up to the the sort of hype that's being pushed out. And they did. They nailed it. They are perfect. Um, what do you guys think? And in particular, have you got one? And if not, are you going to get one? And who you, which one are you going to get? Because there's so much choice.
3: Well, first of all, the uniforms are absolutely brilliant, um, stunning, especially the powder blue. Um, I'm actually waiting for a new powder blue jersey to arrive. It's not this season's. It's last season's uh, limited edition Philip Rivers. I'm waiting for the custom jerseys to drop, and it's going to be a toss-up between the uh, powder blue and the the new dark uh, navy blue, which I think really pops I've seen quite a few images on social media of Ecklers, and look absolutely outstanding. I'll be avoiding the white jersey because after about three hours of wearing it, it'll be covered in coffee or something else. It'll be absolutely ruined. But yeah, the charge have nailed it. 10 out of 10. Unbelievable.
1: Um, yeah, so I've actually been kind of jumping back and forth in what I'm going to do Um I too am not allowed to get um, a white jersey uh, for the same exact reasons uh, <laughs> as uh, as it was. So I'm uh, def- I've already eliminated that one. Um, uh, the color rush uh, royal blue. That's a nice looking jersey. You know, it, it's got a good pop, but I don't know. It just it doesn't scream Chargers to me. Um, so I I really uh, also am going to have to narrow it down between the powder blue and the navy blue. Uh, you know, I've got my um, throwback LT, um, powder blue Jersey. So, you know, maybe I decide to throw in that Navy one, which is just uh, so hot. Um, but, uh, we'll see, you know, um, I'm gonna, I usually get a a custom Jersey, uh, with my wife, uh, and for my, for my young daughter. So we're all going to have matching jerseys with, uh, with our name on the back. I think that, you know, that, uh, makes it a little easier because you don't have to worry about that player leaving the team because at least I hope none of us are going to stop supporting the Chargers. So, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's where I'm at. Just still trying to decide between the powder blue and the uh, Navy blue. Um, I have a feeling though, I'm going to end up getting the powder blue just because, you know, it's just such a classic Chargers look and it just looks so clean. And I've actually got a nice pair of, uh, of yellow boating shorts that would go nicely with it. So, <laughs> love it. Stylish. So
2: I kind of lucked out with the jerseys previously. Like I bought a um, Desmond King jersey last year cuz at least then I don't have to worry about him leaving either. If he leaves, I've still got a jersey with my own name on. <laughs> I like um, it. <laughs> yeah, love so it. that that worked out pretty well. Uh, as for the new the new jerseys, well I'm such a sucker for merchandise. I um I do already have the Navy Bosa, the Powder Dowen James oh. and I'm I'm one of those fools who has already pre-ordered a white Justin Herbert jersey
0: confident I like it yeah and of course the only one of us that isn't boycotting the white jersey there <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah well I, I don't know how regularly I'll wear it let's put it that way it might just stay in the cupboard um but no I I had to had to go for it because I'm I'm irresponsible with my money and um have too much free time so <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking, this is the thing, you know, Woz makes a great point about buying legends on the back of your jersey, but I'm that confident that uh, Derwin James is going to be a legend of the game uh, that I'm going to get the Derwin James powder blue. I was umming and ahhing about the, the colour rush. I love the colour rush. Um, but I think I've, I'm going to have to get that that powder blue Derwin James. My, my only issue is over here in the UK, getting a stitched version, the top range one that's got the stitched letter in, um, the decals and everything is is not easy so i'm waiting for that to become available gonna get myself a a james jr if they do do in james jr because i've heard rumors they tend to send to the uk just james which is not what he wears is it he does wear james jr i am right on that
2: yeah you're right it was the same with um desmond king he wears king 2 on the back and not the easiest to get Come
0: on, NFL, stop skimping on a couple of letters. King 2, James Jr. Come on, I'm I'm looking forward to getting that. But they nailed it. You know, well done to the Chargers. Round of applause for a superb marketing campaign. The best jerseys in sport. And, you know, you you can't debate that. It's not even just one. It's all of them. Absolutely out of this world. Yellow pants. I don't think I'll get those. They might make my bum look a bit big. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, the sad thing is, though, New New Jersey's can't go and get Rivers on the back. All my other jerseys have got I've got the greatest quarterback of all time on the on there. Mr. Rivers himself can't do that now because he's uh, he's on his way and he's gone to the Colts. Um, Spoiler alert. I'm going to be a bit of a Colts fan this off this season. Second team. But, you know, if the Chargers don't make it, I really hope he goes and gets his ring. It's the end of an era. He's on his way to the Hall of Fame in a few years after he's uh, coached some high school kids um, and won a ring or two with the Colts. And he is one of the main reasons I I support the Chargers. Just watching him, giving grief to Cutler was the first memory I have of Philip Rivers. Um, What are you guys going to miss the most about him?
3: I think uh, his his presence, as you uh, said, Bez. You know, when Rivers walks into that room, people respect him. People look up to him as the uh, leader of the offense and the leader of the of the team. Um, he's a great competitor. It's been said many a times, but if you look around the NFL and you were to do the old school boy right, who do I want to play with? You know, you, you'd pick out Phillip Rivers first and foremost, just because of the way he is, um, he's gracious in defeat. Um, he, he he knows how how to play the game. He gets a lot of unnecessary stick for his throwing action. That's just the way, it, you know, it is. But um, I think his competitive nature. I'm absolutely gutted that he, we never got it in the Super Bowl ring. I mean, the first, you know, two thousand six, 14 and two, and eleven and five, uh, respectively. And, and I'm just gutted he never got to four hundred touchdowns, three hundred ninety seven, three shy with the Chargers. But it, whether it's Herbert down the stretch, he's got some big shoes to fill. But um, I wish them all the best at the Colts, and I think a lot of Chargers will have a soft spot for that team this season. Just to see how Philip Rivers progresses and, and whether or not they can keep him upright and give him time in the pocket to make those passes downfield. But yeah, an absolute legend for the franchise. It'll be interesting
1: to see whether or not they re- retire his uh, number seventeen journey going down the line. It's it's hard to really quantify the impact that Philip Rivers had, um, you know, on on the Chargers in general. Um, I was, I've been a Chargers fan since the nineties. So, um, you know, Rivers didn't, uh, get into the team until 2004. So, um, you know, I, I definitely was a fan before he was there, but I, I do remember some of the stuff that, uh, some of the, some of the quarterback issues we had before Rivers. I mean, uh, yeah, we had that one Super Bowl appearance, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, just the, the care, the quarterback carousel is one of the hardest things for an NFL franchise to deal with because you're always trying to make sure the offense is suited to somebody's uh skills and you're always trying to figure out you know okay how do I build around this guy but you know you don't want to build an offense uh you know between the scheme and players and blocking and all that you want to bring in you don't want to build that around a guy if you're not sure he's going to be there for the next you know five ten seasons like it's just it was a tough it was a tough time and you know it, I was actually a, a big uh, Drew Brees fr- fan. Um, you know, unfortunately, he never really met his potential with the Chargers, and then he had that that injury before he he got he went out the door. But you know, I was really excited when Phil Burris came in as well because I was like, look, these are two guys that I think could have serious. Uh, impact uh, on this franchise and help turn it around. And, you know, um, I was right about Rivers. I mean, he's had his ups and downs, but, you know, I think every quarterback has. I think if you look at, you know, if you look at the history of every quarterback in the league, you know, there's not one who succeeded every single year. You know, maybe their team had success, but they personally sometimes had to have the team carry them or sometimes they carried the team. And that was definitely with Philip Rivers. There were, there were years where he just looked like he was going to take the team all the way. And unfortunately, the team let him down. Um, and there were years where, you know, he wasn't having his best year, but the team was kind of propping him up and he came through in big moments. So, you know, no, he's, he's not, you know, the, one of the greatest all time quarterbacks. If you're looking, if you're making a top five list of quarterbacks, no, I'm not going to put him on, on that level, but, um, you know, in, in chargers lore he's one of the top quarterbacks we've ever had and you know he is a hall of famer you know and i know there's a lot of talk oh, is he really a hall of Famer? he's a hall of famer stop it with that bs talk like he's going to the hall of fame and uh you know i'm just i can't wait till they retire his uh his number there uh in sofi i guess i don't i don't know how they're gonna handle uh, the retired jerseys there but um you know i they they should retire it there should never be another 17 in uh, chargers history again
2: i'm with you there entirely um I, I just can't imagine anyone wearing 17 again. That's just it would it would just be too strange. Um especially given his cavalier attitude and his mental kind of faculties he's just so like such a good leader um and such a good like motivator it felt like um and he was definitely the reason I got into the game. It was the 2008 I think it was Chargers Saints game at Wembley. Uh, first game of the NFL I actually properly watched in full Um, and whilst I uh, think it was 37-32 to the Saints um, that game solidified me as a Chargers fan and it was Philip Rivers and the Danian Tomlinson that did it Um, just, it's just such a gutsy guy and I just wish him the best in the Colts Um, not going to be able to not pay attention to what they're doing and just I mean they've got he's, he's got in Indianapolis, he's got that O-line to hopefully get him, maybe not to the Super Bowl, maybe we can get there instead of them. But no, <laughs> that's that's massively optimistic. But you got to hold out hope, right?
0: <laughs> I definitely agree with you. No, that game was amazing at Wembley. I, I, I was there, um, first NFL game, absolutely incredible. And, you know, a bit of a gunslinger. It just came up short, but I just, I just left going, wow, that's my, that's my guy. And uh, I think we're all in the same boat, and we're all probably going to be hoping the Colts win every game except the games they play against us this uh, season.
3: Yeah, except yeah. the uh, AFC Championship final against
0: us. Well, I don't know. I think I'll be uh, I'll be hoping we beat them on a on a last minute field goal, and he has an incredible five touchdown game and goes out in a blaze of glory. But uh, but uh, Justin wins the game for. Do
3: you think um Do you think he'll ever come back as a uh, a Chargers head coach down the line?
0: Oh God. Could you imagine? I'd love that, and I'd love all of his children to play for us too. Just just rename <laughs> the franchise, <laughs> the Rivers Bolts, and there you go. But um, I genuinely, I, I hoped he would, and I thought he might follow his dad. But he's gone off to be, um, I believe it's a, a Catholic high school. He's going to go and coach them either next year or the year after when he formally retires. And uh, and let's see if that's the first step to the NFL. I could see him focusing on his family if I'm being honest. Yeah. But um, but let's let's hope that the impossible can uh, can always happen in a few. years. Is.
1: Yeah, I don't know what his future plans are. Um, he's never really talked about like coaching, coaching like NFL level coaching before, but um, he definitely has talked about coaching high school. It's something that his father did, and he's wanted to follow in those footsteps for a long time. So I know that that was something he always wanted to do, and you know, to the point of the, of the family, yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's got the opportunity to really spend more time with his family as a football coach in high school. You um, I mean the the rigors of college uh, football with the recruiting and just the you know the 365 nature of NFL football coaching. I just, I don't know if that's a path for him. Maybe it is. Maybe when the kids get a little older and he's been coaching high school for a little while, he makes the jump finally, uh, or who knows who maybe, maybe he coaches to <laughs> high school championships after championship and he can't help, but, you know, accept a job somewhere else. Cause you know, he's a competitor. And I think if he's dominating at any level, he's going to want to move up and, you know, challenge himself. So, you know, it's hard to say what he's really going to do in the future from a coaching standpoint. And if he, if he shows that he can coach, um, you know, at a high level, then I'm all for bringing him in, bringing him in uh, to the Chargers organization as a coach, whether that's a quarterback's coach, an offensive coordinator, or a head coach, you know, uh, you know, I think he's earned the right to at least be given a shot if that's what he wants. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, obviously it's very sad to see him go. And, you know, it, I will also be kind of, you know, quietly rooting for the Colts uh, in the background, um, but uh, selfishly also because I'm pretty sure if we ever facing the playoffs this year i'm pretty sure our defense can handle rivers just saying um but uh oh sorry had to go there um top five defense in the league man you can't can't go against that anyways uh but yeah i i'm gonna be rooting for the colts i think and, and well not for the colts i'll be rooting for him and by you know by design they're gonna get me rooting for them as well but obviously uh whatever he wants to do I think he's earned the right to do whatever he wants to do at this point he's put blood sweat and tears into being a quarterback for the Chargers for many many years with O lines and bad position groups and bad coaching um you know so everything he's been through I think he deserves to do whatever he wants so I'd be for him come back as a coach if that's what he wanted to do see I'd
2: fully expect to see coach rivers with quarterback gunner rivers in high school in college at every level just all the way um he's he's definitely got the mental makeup for it it's just yeah can can someone who's clearly such a family man put that aside to spend so much time with the coaching when as as you've said john maybe the high school coaching's probably a bit more suited to him um but god i'd love to see him back as a coach
0: all right, but it'd be incredible. I mean, you know, I've, I've read some things he's written in the Catholic community and I know he wants to be, uh, to, to go on that. To, to, what, did, what did he say? He wanted to mold young men. And I think that that's what he can do in the high school arena. But my God, I'd have him back. Probably his owner. How does that sound? No. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, from he's, he's a massive hero of mine, but I'm going to, I'm going to flip from hero to zero next guys. Um, and talk about, oh, he who should not be named Melvin Gordon. Sorry, I've said it. Um, this, this offseason an underlying theme a thorn in the side of the team has been Melvin Gordon he rejected allegedly about 10 million a year to stay on before uh, before last season and ended up uh, holding out it didn't work um, he's got a lot less to go to the Broncos to stay in the division and compete against us and instead of blaming himself or his agent he's proved himself to be one of the oh, the worst people in the NFL for me and coming out, slagging the team off, saying how they were awful and they didn't suit him. And, and I'm just quite ashamed of the way he's handled it. Uh, what do you think his beef is? What's what's going on with uh, Melvin Gordon? It's a difficult um,
3: question to answer. You, you you sort of alluded to the agents there. You don't know who's talking to him, friends, family. Um, he may have had um, a, a different agenda, clearly he did to what the front office did, but... I think it goes back to what Coach Lynn said um, around the time of the draft. Chargers don't need the best 53. They need the right 53. And I think in any sport, no player is uh, is bigger than the franchise. Uh, And while I think Melvin Gordon served as well, um, he put his body on the line. I don't think that um, we, we should be worried about it too much that he's moved on. He has moved on and... Is a new look offense. Uh, We'll see how we go from there.
1: You know, I think, you know, if you're talking about where there could be potentially some bad blood, um, you know, some of it might just be some, you know, some remorse for the way he handled things on his own self. I think he might be, you know, know, not to be pop psychologist here, but he may be projecting onto the team some of his own feelings towards himself. I mean, he was offered the 10 million, allegedly 10 million a year to uh, stay on with the team and he rejected it. You know, and he bet on himself thinking he had you know, a better market than he did. And, you know, I I would imagine the team took a hard stance on him and just said, look, we're going to offer you 10 million. Now, if you don't take it, it's not going to be there, you know, at the end of the season, he decided to decline it. Um, season ends, uh, the off season rolls around and there's not really a market for Melvin Gordon. And I think, you know, maybe I would I would guess, and again, this is all speculation. I don't have any inside sources on this, but I would guess that he went back to them and said, okay, you know, maybe 10 million something that I could do. And they said, sorry, it's off the table. We just gave 6 million a year to, to Eckler. And, you know, we're just going to, we're moving on. So 10 million is off the table. So I would imagine that there's a scenario, uh, Potential that scenario happened, which is why he ended up taking less than the ten million. Because I don't just, I just don't think he was there um, after the season for him. So, I think there's some bad blood, a little bit there. I don't think ultimately. Some of the things that he's done and said is really as bad as people are making it out to be. I think maybe that there's just kind of the news cycle's looking for things to jump on, and uh, you know they've they've made a bigger deal out of it than before. Um, you know, and I think there's plenty of Chargers fans there um, who are a little salty who think that maybe Gordon didn't quite do what he was supposed to do and that he maybe sabotaged rivers final season uh, by holding out uh, for the first four games so i think there might be some salty fans who are kind of perpetuating that narrative but on- honestly if you really look at what he's done and what he's said he hasn't really been taking major digs at the team he's just trying to he's just kind of said things to really kind of hype himself up in a sense when you when you look back and he says oh i've you know the system wasn't really built for me well that's kind of true. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's 100% true. I think there are some things that they did do to try to, you know, boost up his. Um his potential, but you know, the O-line was, has been a problem almost the entire time he's been there. Uh, I mean, for sure, Mike McCoy's offenses were just atrocious. I mean, talk about just running your, into a brick wall every time. It's just boom, draw, boom, dive, boom up the middle, just like no variety. I mean, I'm just saying like, if that was your first couple seasons in the league, you might be a little salty too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he just, he, he has a point in some respects. Um, I know he had said something about the fact that he wanted to run a little bit more outside zone, which is what they ran. Um, Wisconsin when he was there I actually don't buy that I don't think that's what he's I don't I don't know if that's necessarily the best running situation for him but I do believe that they kept trying to because of his size and his build they wanted him to be more of well you know like Joshua Kelly is kind of built for that guy who gets the ball he knows his assignment and he freaking hits the hole hard like I think that's what they really you know that's what Lynn wanted that's what everybody wanted Melvin Gordon to be but he's actually a little bit more of a patient runner you know, I know I know people say he doesn't have you know elite vision like a like a Le'Veon Bell or or anything like that, but I would say that well when there's nothing there to see, you're not going to see it, right? Like it, there really weren't a lot of awesome gaps for him to, you know, to jump out to. But that's kind of who he wants to be. He wants to be that, hey, you know, give me the ball. Let me assess what's happening and then pick a hole to run through versus the here's the ball, blunt force trauma your way through that, you know, defensive line. So I, I agree with him in that stance. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's hyping himself up. You know, he just got a new contract. He's on a new team, you know, a team that's a rival to us. Is it going to make him look good with the new fans? Him taking a dig at us? Is it going to make him maybe prop up his value a little bit more with those new fans, new coaching staff by saying, oh, well, the reason I didn't succeed as much as I could have is because they didn't use me, right? Of course it is. So I think some of it is just him hyping himself up and trying to you know, ingratiate him with, with the new fan base. And some of it's a little bit of saltiness. But ultimately, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think we need to jump down his throat. I don't know. I just, I, maybe I'm just a Melvin Gordon apologist, you know, maybe I just hold on to that Gordon Jersey and go, what could have been, Oh, it could have been. But, uh, you know, I just, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, I, I've been defending him, you know, on social media and different forums and I get a lot of flack for it. There's a lot of anti Gordon hate out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, he's a good, he's a good ball player. He's not great, but he's good. And he, you know, when he played for us, I think he played as well as he could have. So, that's how I think about it.
2: I definitely feel there's there's some um, there's some of him looking to make excuses for his performance over the last year um, by deflecting some of the anger towards the team. Um, it's he he wasn't fantastic last year. Let's let's be honest, but nor was the as you've mentioned, John, the O line. It was not set up for him to succeed. It wasn't set up for anyone to succeed, which is why he had a lot of Eckler on the outside with his elusiveness. But um, yeah, I, I just think he's he's gone to a city in Denver where there's going to be a lot of anti-charger sentiment and people not not really having had a positive opinion about him previously that are now seeing him as one of their guys. And he's got to do whatever he can to make it so that he can be one of their guys. Um, now it's just up to what happens when he does play this year. Um, does he end up playing better than Philip Lindsay in Denver? But. I don't want to get too much into the Broncos. That's that's for other people to worry about.
0: Do you know what though? I'll tell you, I will. I will mention the Broncos. I'm going to preview the two Broncos games because they're now the games on on the schedule that I looked for immediately. And what I want to do, because Melvin Gordon is the worst human being in the NFL, uh, I'm glad you all agree with me on that. One. <laughs> um, I want eleven men in the box. Do you know what? Just 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 leave half the wide receivers, the tight end open. You know, it, and just just double down on, on 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 Melvin Gordon if he has minus 50 yards in both games I'll be a happy man because it's not like Drew Locke's going to be able to pick out any of their wide receivers he'll be overthrowing them left right and center so that's my game plan for the Broncos I'll leave it there um we all agree he's awful but we did sign Eckler to what what was it six million I, th- I believe um a, a season average and he's coming in to, to be our lead running back in in, in I wrote an article on, on the website on the blog um, which you can check out on um, uh, on the website and I said that Lynn wants to create his new uh, the offense in his new image which is yards after the catch it's a mobile quarterback fast passes slants screens put the hands put the ball in the hands of playmakers let them go get it and, and aim at Eckler's strengths now we, we know that when Melvin Gordon came on the field, Defenses would double down on stopping the run, and Eckler had a little bit more success because they said, "Ah, they're obviously passing a little bit," uh, and he had light, um, light fronts to, to go against. But what will be interesting is can he succeed in the new offense with Ty with I nearly said Tyrod. Then sue me now. Tyrod. Taylor. <laughs> uh, you know, are we gonna are we gonna see success for Eckler in the same way? Can he be that feature back for the Chargers? What do you reckon?
3: Well. He set the bar really high, didn't he, in 2019. I mean, I am so excited about uh, what Eckler's going to uh, bring to the table in 2020. Just to put things into uh, perspective, Rivers targeted Keenan Allen 149 uh, times for 104 receptions last season. Eckler, on the outside, 108 targets, 92 receptions. He's a versatile back. I think the days of the pure running back are dwindling and now offences, you know, the scouts are looking for this hybrid that will, will, will change things up. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the media, and certainly amongst ourselves, about the charges becoming less predictable with the football. And I think Eckler is key to that. Now, whether or not he, he continues to move the change through the air or whether or not uh, you know, Shane Steichen wants him to um, carry the ball, uh, move the chains on the ground, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, Eckler last season, 11 touchdowns, three on the ground, eight through the air, that says a lot. You know, That's that's not what you would get from a, a, a stereotypical running back, but pound for pound, he's, he's just the man. I'm just so excited about what he's going to bring to this offence, and
1: uh, absolutely he can stand up to the plate. Well, uh, you know, now that we're talking about 2020 projections, I think that's where, you know, I'm I'm happy we're going. You know, it, I just finished my series um, on offensive projections for the year. It's uh, a lot of reading, so make sure you guys have yourself a nice cider there, a big one, if you're gonna if you're gonna pound through But basically, I I, I took an attempt at looking at all the offenses that Anthony Lynn uh, coached in uh, over the past, like seven years, uh, that includes the New York jets and Buffalo bills, where he was a running backs coach, assistant head coach, um, and then offense coordinator and head coach for one year. Um, and so I looked at all those offices that he was in and, you know, just kind of based off what he's talked about and, you know, what he's, what he's come up, uh, doing, uh, and then kind of a little bit of what we've seen when he was head coach with the chargers. I came up with kind of a predict- predictive model of, okay, what do I think? this new offense is going to look like and you know I, I definitely think it's going to be a big switch from before we were averaging about 44 to 45 percent of the plays being running plays um obviously being dominated when you have philip rivers obviously you're going to let him throw the ball a lot uh i think that flips i think it's going to be more you know on the rushing side i think you're going to see probably around 51 uh rushing uh to about 49 uh passing which again it's, it's more of an even it, it sounds a lot more even than it really is and in today's nfl if you're if you've got like a 50 50 split you're actually considering. A run-heavy team, so uh, 51% is actually a very run-heavy team. Um, only only the top 10 uh, rushing teams in the league actually had that kind of a split. So, but I think that's what he wants to do. That's what he's he's done his entire uh, life as a coach, and you know, part of that's going to involve uh, Terod Taylor's running, uh, and then a lot of that's going to involve like you know who they have on the offense. How does Eckler fit into this? Well, I think Eckler has shown that he could handle double-digit carries uh, when. When Melvin Gordon was out, those first four games, he had 12 carries, 17 carries, 9, and then 18 carries. Um, you know, it just, that that to me seems like maybe a slightly bigger workload than they're going to want to do because they, they are going to have Joshua Jackson and, uh, sorry, Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson there to, to split carries. So I think you see that number dropped about an average, about 12 carries a game, um, which I think is right. I think you want to get him the ball. He's the playmaker. He's the guy who's going to you know, potentially break one off at any time. So I think you're going to see that, but I, I do also think that you're going to see him touch, uh, uh, sorry, get targeted about a hundred times again this year. Um, you know, my, we talked about, uh, you know, guys like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, you know, that's the new running back of the NFL. It's not the, it's not necessarily the Melvin Gordons who, you know, who are kind of being asked to take the ball and carry it, you know, 15 to 20 times a game. It's more about, backs who can carry it about 10 times a game and then also take about 10, you know, 10 passes a game as well. And I think that's where Eckler's coming in and that's why he got paid the money. I mean, $6 million a year for a running back is not cheap. I mean, that still makes him within the top 10 to 15 paid running backs in the league. Um, You know, so obviously they've invested in him because they want him to be the workhorse. Um, You know, he's not suited to be that between the tackles guy. It's, It's, he's not built that way. He's a strong guy and he's shown to be durable, but, I think if you want Austin Eckler, if you want Austin Eckler to stay healthy, your best bet is to not, your best bet is to not be running him up the middle on halfback dives and, and, and draws. That's just, that's just not a recipe for success with him. You're going to want to keep him nimble. Um, you know, something that, has been hinted at by Lynn and Steichen is that they want to run a lot more RPO. They want to run pistol. What does that mean? That means you're going to get Tyrod Tyrod out in motion with the ball. And then you're going to have probably Eckler beside him or just outside to the flat, which is really going to show defenses a lot of different looks. You know, we're going to see guys like, um, read in the backfield. We're going to see um, sometimes two running backs back there, sometimes a fullback back there. I think what the creativity is going to do is it's going to free up the running game a lot more. You know, people aren't going to be able to really load that box up when uh, Eckler has the ball because we don't, or when Eckler's in the game, because we don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to, is he going to do that uh, play action? Is he going to, and hit Williams deep? Is he going to hand it off? You know, is he going to keep it himself? Uh, I think that the addition of tirad to this offense, being able to run it, uh, unlike anything that um rivers was ever able to do as a quarterback i think that is going to really change the way this offense looks so you know I, I i personally project eckler um to have a really really good season um you know he's not going to be the workhorse dominant uh running back but he's going to lead the team in carries uh I, I think it's it's not too far off to say that he's going to have somewhere between 900 and a thousand yards i think that is you know based off what he's done traditionally uh I think that makes a lot of sense, but add into that the fact that he's probably gonna get 100 targets uh, and probably come up somewhere around 800 to 900 yards receiving. I mean, that's a 2,000 yard back. That's that's like Ladainian Tomlinson used to do. You know, getting 2,000 total yards between his his rushing and his receiving. So, uh, you know, I'm really really excited to see what Austin Eckler can do now that he is the focus and there's no Melvin Gordon to kind of take that limelight away from him.
2: I just want to add that I feel really bad that he only got 993 yards. I say only. 993 receiving yards last year. I was just willing that extra seven yards just to hit that 1,000 to join, was it? Uh, Williams and Allen both peaked 1,000, didn't they? Um, mm-hmm. What do we reckon's going to happen next year with Eckler? Like this year, um, just gone. He, as you said, John, 108 targets, but there was only f- four games where he had more than seven targets in a game. Um, I'm kind of imagining it to be around seven and a half targets a game on average. Um But add to that, there was only one game last year where he didn't uh, pull in more than one of his targets. There was only one game where he missed more than one of the targets thrown his way. Um, So he's shown himself to be dependable that way um, and earned his money. Um, I'd like to see him kind of just being the guy that's there when the play breaks down, because the play is going to break down. Um, It's just where where does that improvisation come from? Does it come from Tyrod himself or is it Ekler... Breaking out into the flat and Allen running crossing routes or routes. Um, I, I just I just see Eckler getting used a hell of a lot in the passing game still from Steichen and I just want to know what's going to happen with the running game. Like do we do we rely more on someone like Joshua Kelly up the middle and just Eckler in there as a change of pace or with the money we're giving him, are we just saying Eckler number one, Eckler go in every situation if you look at the,
3: the the linebackers last season you know they knew that Philip Rivers wasn't going to break out of that pocket and move the chains that can't be said for for Tyrod you know Taylor will move the move the ball with his feet it gives people it gives the, it gives the defense something else to think about and it goes back to what we said being less predictable uh, I think that's where the Chargers can get the most productivity is by changing it up, and, and, and they've got the they've got the personnel to to improvise. Just need to step up to the
1: plate and execute when required. You know that's a great point on Tirad. Um, You know over the three years that he was a starter in Buffalo, um, he averaged ninety uh, rushing attempts. So, you know, I personally projected him uh, about 83, 84 rushing attempts, but I mean, if you add in the fact that your QB is going to rush it 80, 80 something times in a season, I mean, your defense can't ignore that. Your defense has to stay honest. They can't cheat one way or, or crowd the middle or anything like that because you're not going to be able to contain if we run a halfback dive. But Terod keeps it and rolls, you know, rolls up uh, outside uh, out the edge. If you were cheating to the middle because you see that dive, he's going to burn you. And, you know, I think it's it's something that's going to add a whole new element to this offense that I'm really excited to see. Um, you know, just, I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people who are kind of negative on Terat and, oh, he's never really done it and all that stuff, but, you know, it's – He's never had this coaching staff. He's never had this personnel around him. I mean, has he ever had – I mean, I don't think there's a lot of players who can say that they've got uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry, all at their disposal. That's not to mention you've got rookie like Joshua Kelly who, by the way, I do believe is by the end of the season is going to be touching – getting probably around eight to nine carries a game. Um, I mean, I think he's going to take that kind of big, sturdy – up the middle role, um, the Chargers love him. Specifically, Lynn loves him. I mean, he's a he's a high character guy. He's a hard worker. You know, he started at UC Davis, which you know, for anyone who doesn't know, that that is not a major school. I mean, UCLA, yeah, that's a major school. They've got a big program. UC Davis, I mean, their football program is you know, it's kind of an afterthought, to be honest. Um, so the fact that he was able to start off as as a running back at UC Davis and get himself a walk-on role at UCLA and then become the premier running back. Uh, And really the only good part of that offense, uh, I know their tight end was okay uh, as an whatever his name is, but I mean, well, I mean, he must be okay if the, uh, if the Patriots were into him, but I, it just, the only good part of that offense was Joshua Kelly. And Lynn even was uh, quoted saying that they were, they wanted to get him around the third round. And, you know, unfortunately they didn't have that pick. Uh, so when the fourth round came out, uh, came about, and they, you know, Kelly was sitting there. They jumped on him. That means they val- they rated him a third round talent. Okay, you don't you don't take a third round talent and then bury him on the bench. I think he's going to get a lot of those kind of traditional running back snaps, the you know red zone, short yardage, and I think he's going to be that kind of thunder to Eckler's lightning, and I'm really excited to see that. The,
3: the, you mentioned uh, Hunter Henry there, John. One of my concerns is. A lot of teams are looking at, you know, bringing in uh, twelve and thirteen personnel packages. If Henry goes down, if he's not available, you know, Virgil Green, our depth chart, that takes away some of that um, versatility. But I'm, I'm guessing really, it all boils down to staying healthy uh, and, and hoping that we, we can keep all our key players out of the trainer's room.
0: Well, you you're missing one guy there. The guy that's going to have an incredible season when Hunter Henry goes down, he's going to step up, and that is Donald Parnham Jr. My boy, <laughs> <laughs> never forget—he's—he's he's, he's a legend. He smashed it in the um, XFL, and, and I'm excited. I'm not sure J- uh, John's uh, that high on him, and uh, but uh, I'm certainly doing it. But you know, I, going back to Eckler, um, I'm going to end up with a lot of him on my fantasy teams. So you know, looking at a 12-man, 12, uh, 12-man draft, 12-man league. I'm looking to target him about 20th to 24th, towards the end of the second round. That means, at the moment, his ADP is between 25 and 30. I'm going to end up with a lot of him. Uh, I'm going to be really happy to do so. I'm in a few PPR leagues. I'm going to bump him even further up. I'm going to get him um, around the time that uh, that your Carsons and your your Miles Sanders are going. I love the guy. He's going to be a late first, mid-second round pick for me, and I'm going to end up with him, and I'm going to bring home some more championships. We're going to do some podcasts down the line on Fantasy um, I'm hoping to set up um, a Charged Up Bolts Fantasy League um, and we definitely want to get you guys uh, your opinions um, what I will do is throw the floor open on Fantasy just a brief teaser for our listeners um, are you targeting Eckler? Uh, do you think end of the seconds a bit high um, in a 12 man league or uh, um, do you think he can take you to victory in your leagues? I am
3: not selecting any charges players whatsoever because I will jinx them <laughs> <laughs> Those that know me, um, most of my uh, teams that I follow um, have been riddled with injury, whether it's the LA Chargers, uh, Sheffield Wednesday in soccer. So I am staying away from
1: LA Chargers players in fantasy. So I think, you know, the conversation is really going to kind of get down to, you know, what kind of league you're in. I mean, in PPR, I mean, Austin Eckler's locked and loaded. Again, I... You know, as I mentioned before, I kind of joked about him getting 10 targets a game. That's a lot. He's not going to get that. Um, But I do think he's going to top 100 targets for the season for the second straight year. So, um, and with with the efficiency, you're talking somewhere between 75 and 90 receptions. In a PPR, I mean, that's gold right there. You know, not to mention, you know, what he does when he does catch the ball. Like, I'm not even going to try to project that right now. But my point is, in PPR, I think you have to have Eckler easily in your top, you know, top, like, I don't know, eight to 12 running backs, like, without a question, depending on, you know, how you feel about guys, like, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is going to be number one in that, um, Saquon Barkley is probably right around number two, Kamara, Elliott, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, those are all guys who are probably going to be ahead of them, um, but after those five guys, I mean, starting at number six, I mean, would you rather have him or... Uh, I don't know, Derrick Henry. Yeah, Derrick Henry is a beast, but he doesn't get any work in the passing game. And they just signed or they just drafted Darrington Evans, who I think is going to be a a PPR little sleeper there. Um, So, you know, Joe Mixon, I mean, maybe I I think he probably gets a really big bump up in work because he's got that rookie QB. But I mean, if that rookie QB is struggling and the offense is struggling like I mean, let's not forget how bad Cincinnati was last year. Everyone thinks, oh, they've got Joe Burrow. You know, they're all they're going to be some great team. Uh, there's a lot more holes than just quarterback. Uh, and quarterback wasn't even their biggest problem last year. So, uh, you know, I don't know if Mixon's going to be that good. I mean, it, it really, in PPR, I, I think it's, it's really hard to, to keep Eckler out of that, you know, potentially end of the first, early second. Now, non-PPR, that's where the conversation gets really interesting because I think you're going to see – Eckler's touchdown total probably go down a little bit this year. Um, You know, we, we talked about his rushing touchdowns Um, you know, most of his rushing touchdowns came the first four weeks of the season. I think of, of the four rushing touchdowns he had, I think three of them came in the first four weeks Uh, and those were all within the red zone. Um, You know, they've shown that when they're in the red zone, they want, A guy like Joshua Kelly running the ball. They don't want Eckler running the ball in the red zone. Um, Basically, all of those red zone carries that Eckler had disappeared as soon as Melvin Gordon came back. So I project the same thing to happen this year. I think he gets very little actual um, work in the red zone. I think that becomes a Joshua Kelly role and that's really where he's a specialist. Um, So I think he's going to seed a lot of those and you know, then it becomes like, how do you project touchdowns for him in the passing game? I don't know. I mean, six to eight seems like it could be possible, but you know, receiving touchdowns are tough because, you know, hey, you break a 30-yard reception, but they shoestring tackle you at, like, the two. Oh, now you lost that because on, you know, first and goal, they let Kelly run it up the middle or they run, you know, they run a, a bootleg and uh, Terod uh, runs it in, you know, or they, a little quick pass to Henry in the middle. Like, those those touchdowns that he got receiving can easily disappear. So I'm actually a lot less bullish on Eckler in non PPR formats for, for me. And again, maybe this means I'm just not going to own him in non PPR. Mm -hmm. Um, I've kind of got him closer to a third round um, value. Just again, just my own personal projections. I just think, you know, he loses out on, on some of those uh, rushing touchdowns. And I think it's hard to project the receiving touchdowns because, you know, they're not going to throw it as much as they did last year, which means there's going to be less opportunities. So. That's just my personal opinion. Again, I love Eckler, the player. I think he is our, our lead dog. But, you know, in PPR, you know, go get him. Go get him. And, oh, well, I mean, everyone except for you, Waz. You, you stay away. But um, you can go draft Josh <laughs> Jacobs or something. Go, You know what? Waz, I'm officially anointing oh, yeah. you the guy who needs to draft Melvin Gordon. So, um, <laughs> Yo, <yeah>. uh, um <laughs> but you. Every, everybody, everybody who's Be not real. Waz or who doesn't have that, you know, black touch, um, Go ahead and get Eckler in all PPR formats. If you want to take him in non PPR and you know you like him maybe towards the end of the second round, I'm not going to blame you. It's not personally what I would do, but I just think that he's got a very high, um, a very high ceiling in PPR and um, you know a decent floor in uh, non PPR.
2: You make very good points there, John, and you're correct. Three, all three of his rushing touchdowns were in the first four weeks um, before Gordon came back. Uh, I'm kind of the opposite of was. I have ended up in a PPR mummy league with Ekler, Henry, Allen, um, and today made a trade to add Tyrod. Well, uh, after reading John's article on um, on Tyrod Taylor and his career year, I, I had to follow through on it, and I've I've traded away and I've added Tyrod Taylor to my league. Um, And this is in a league where two of the teams have been mummified and five of the starting quarterbacks in the league have been ruled out of the league as a whole. So I thought I'd go out, I'd get to Rod Taylor whilst he's there while someone's looking to trade and um, add to my seemingly never-ending Chargers roster. Um, Add to that, in the first round of the rookie draft, I have added Justin Herbert. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the way that the draft has fallen. To
1: Rod, Herbert combo, I love it. I mean I'm I personally again you saw my article. I'm bullish on Tarod. I think assuming the offense performs and they're winning games, which I I think, you know, a little teaser, we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Um but I definitely think this team's gonna have a winning record and I think this team actually has is, is a is a playoff contender. Um but you're not gonna take Tyro out. If, if you're winning games and you're on your way to, to the playoffs, like that just doesn't make any sense. So I, I really, I, I projected him for 16 games in my article. Um, you can check that out at Um But I, I just, I think he's, I think he gets to start. I think they let Herbert sit and learn and compete and just grow. Um, and, you know, lock, lock him up. Justin Herbert for 2021. I think he's the starting quarterback without a doubt. Um, but I think Tarad has a very, very good year. You know, again, it, because he runs, it, it, the floor on him is so high that, I mean, I think worst case scenario, you're you're finishing with a top 13 to 15 uh, quarterback. That's worst case scenario. I honestly think he could potentially be, you know, in the top seven to 10. I mean, I think that's where I, I projected him is number nine. And I think that's a real legitimate place for him to finish if he plays all 16. But I mean, just even if he has a down year, um, if he starts all 16, he's going to be one of the top, 15 QBs in the league. So when you can get that kind of floor and as late as it's going to take for you to draft him or, or as cheap as it'll be to acquire him, I think you've got to get that. And then, you know, use the rest of your draft capital to get, you know, your Ecklers, your Henry's or whatever earlier on. Um, so, I mean that's just how I'm going to handle to rod this year. Um, you know, and I just think that if you're looking for that cheap late round quarterback flyer, know pick up to rod and you know pick up a backup qb as well and just see what happens
0: yeah i, I love that that take we're gonna it's absolutely superb john and everyone because we're going to talk a lot about fantasy and a lot about proje- individual projections as, as in future episodes but what you did do is is perfectly bury the lead there on, on something i really want to talk about next which is um although we're going to talk about uh, in a future episode our projections game by game and what um we're going to nail some hot takes to the wall about what our record will be. Um, i want to get a feel for how you guys are. are you optimistic about how the chargers are going to perform because do you know what i, I am I, i'm excited for this year i i think there's and, and please don't have a go at me for sitting on the fence with this one but i'm somewhere between 6 and 10 and 10 and 6 and that might sound that i'm really not making a commitment to it to a number but I see us winning plenty of games, and I think it's going to come down to how we perform in the division. I've written us off against the Chiefs, um, but I'm really optimistic about those those swing four games against the Broncos, the Raiders. Um, I think we're chasing the playoffs. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people, especially... Who was it that said we were going to have the number one overall draft pick? um one of these uh, websites on Twitter, it's Pro Football Focus. Football Focus. Well, I think they're, they're they're way off. I understand they hated our draft. Uh, we just got rid of uh, our lead running back and our lead. Well, I get that, but I, I, I'm positive about the season ahead. I think we're gonna we're gonna be there or thereabout, second place, looking for a wild card spot, and um, you know I'm really optimistic. What do you guys feel?
3: So it's a great segue to a, uh, a blog I wrote on ChargedUpBolts.com uh, last week. What does success look like? So, if you look at the record, a successful season is a winning record based on what happened last year, Uh, winning some divisional games. Obviously, 0-6 in the AFC West is unacceptable. We don't want to go down that route again. But um, success could look like just integrating the rookies into the team, you you know, um, getting Justin Herbert some game time, going down the stretch, the final stretch of the season. But I think... To answer the record, I mean, if you look at our schedule at Bengals, opening game of the season, I think we win that. That's winnable. Then we've got the Chiefs at the SoFi. I've actually got us beating the Chiefs on both occasions. That's a bold statement, but it is a hot take. But if you look at the Chiefs, Super Bowl champions, they've probably already looking at the schedule and going, we've won this, we've won this, we've won that game. Yeah, we'll beat those. And I think you you underestimate the, the the charges at your own peril. And then we um, we host the Panthers, and then we're at the Buccaneers. So two and two record is plausible after the first quarter of the season. Looking down the stretch, then you know we've got the Saints, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Jaguars. So we could be in a position at the halfway season where we're above uh, five hundred football, but. I think the key is, are you in the glass half full camp or are you in the glass half empty camp? And I think from what I've seen on social media towards you guys, everyone is really optimistic about the future ahead. I mean, why, why wouldn't you be? Yeah, um, Tom Telesco has done a, um, a, a great job at, at picking out people in the past. Look at Derwin James. Um, and if some of our... Uh, draft class of 2020 can stand up and have a similar seasons to Derwin James I think we've got a lot to be uh, uh, excited about but yeah I think the, the Chargers need to come out all guns blazing but certainly improving our divisional record, that's success in itself but I've actually got the Chargers at 4-2 and two in, in the division again it's a bold statement but I, I don't see the point in being negative and being realistic can we reach the playoffs? Who knows strength of schedule, I don't buy much into that there's a lot of permutations. All it takes is for a number of key players on any roster to fall foul of the injury, you know, get suspended for some sort of violation, and things change overnight. A week is a long time in sport, certainly in football. Um, I just think there's a lot to be um, positive about with the LA Chargers in 2020. I think the, the, the key thing for ourselves is staying healthy. The Chargers have got to stay healthy. That goes the same for all the other 31 teams, but boy, we've had some bad injuries over the last three or four years. You know, look at Hunter Henry a couple of seasons ago. Um, Derwin James was a big miss, and I think we've, we've just got to keep all our players healthy. Knowing the Chargers, we'll probably sort out the issue at left tackle, and then on day one, somebody will drop a kettlebell on their foot, and then that, we've then got issues at left tackle. But yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the uh, the season ahead.
1: Well, um, I don't know how optimistic I'm gonna sound after you dropping the bomb that you think we're gonna sweep the Chiefs. But uh, (laughs) 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 I'm not not gonna lie, I'm still in shock of that. That is a hot take. Um, But um, you know, in my uh, schedule release blog, uh, something I did point out is that, yeah, you know, they talk about strength of schedule. And for me, when I look at strength of schedule, I don't look at it based off last year's records. Like some people do. Uh, I look at it based off kind of what Vegas thinks, because if there's anybody whose job it is to be as close to actual win loss records as possible, it's Vegas. And you know what? They make a lot of money doing this. So I'm going to trust those guys. Um, So I look at our schedule based off the win win loss records. Um, that Vegas is predicting, and um, as I point out in my article, if you're looking at it, there are nine of our opponents who are going to who are projected to win eight games or less. Think about that, eight games or less. Now, if if you actually look at those, two of those are the Broncos and the Raiders. So right there, you're talking potentially 11 wins just from those teams. So I don't know if that is really our future. I think, you know, obviously, you know, whenever you play a divisional rival, it could easily go one way or the other, Uh, especially Denver. For some reason, Denver is one of those teams that seems to always kind of have our number. Even when we're the superior team, they play us tough and we just kind of have a a hard time against them. So it's really hard for me to say that we're going to, you know, be able to sweep Denver and the Raiders, but... You know, um, I I really think that 10 wins is kind of the goal for this team this year should be. And I think that 10 wins with the new playoff format uh, is a playoff record. You know, obviously it depends on who else has 10 wins and all those, you know, permutations of of who's going to, you know, on on how tiebreakers go. But, you know, in, in my book, there are. Easily 10 winnable games on our schedule, if not more than that. I mean, technically, some of the teams that are projected to, to win nine or more games, Tampa Bay. Well, everyone seems to think that, you know, Tom Brady joining Tampa and, and, and Gronkowski joining Tampa Bay means that they're an automatic favorite. I mean, we don't know. I mean, remember when LeBron formed the super team in Miami? They're talking about, you know, 10, 12, whatever championships. They weren't very good that first year. <laughs> I mean, they, they, sometimes it takes time for things to gel and for things to get into play. So I don't know if it's a guarantee Tampa Bay is going to be good when we play them. You know, Buffalo, yeah, they're a playoff team last year, but they're not exactly like a playoff team that really scares me that much. I mean, Josh Allen, he's fine. He can be contained. The rest of their weapons, not exactly scary. Their defense is pretty good, but, you know, I think if you put their defense against our defense and then their offense against our offense, I actually think we're a better team than them. So, you know, yeah, that's a team that we could potentially lose to, but I mean, that's not that hard of a game. New England is projected to win nine games. I'm not really sure why. I guess you know. I mean, I, I guess I know why they have a Hall of Fame coach, one of the best coaches to ever coach in the in the NFL. But I mean, Jason Stidham, who who is this guy? I don't know. <laughs> who you know? What are they gonna do on offense? I I literally have no idea. And that defense, everyone wants to say, oh, they have a really good defense. No, they don't. Uh, they were putting up stats in the first half of the year against some of the worst offenses in the league. Once they started playing mid-level and above offenses, that the defensive statistics went way down, so... I actually am not buying New England as a nine-win team, um, and then of course New Orleans and Kansas City. Those are two really hard games. I'm, you know, New Orleans in the Superdome. Uh, yeah, it's probably a loss, especially on Monday Night Football. I don't think Breeze is gonna is gonna let his team get embarrassed like that. Uh, and Kansas City. I'm sorry, I'm not that bullish. I, I think it's legitimate shot we could potentially come close to beating them at home, but I'm pretty sure we get swept by them again. So, uh, you know, that's kind of it's just kind of a long way of saying what I had originally said in the first minute. I think this is a 10 win team. Uh, I think there's potential to be bit, uh, a bit higher than 10 wins, but I think 10 wins is about right. And with the expanded playoff format, that's a playoff team for me. So I I'm definitely bullish on this team being a playoff contender. Uh, and I think their schedule is a lot easier, uh, you know, than I think people realize. And I think there's definitely a, a path for that to happen.
2: And I'm kind of with you guys. I'm, I'm kind of seeing it as a nine and seven, 10 and six kind of season. Um, Sure, that's that's optimistic in some people's eyes, but I see us kind of going three and three in the division, probably losing both games to the Chiefs, um, winning two against either the Broncos or the Raiders. Just can't pick them. Um, I don't see anyone in the AFC East really giving us too much of a problem. Um, If I'm being honest, I'm, I'm with you there, John. That I just I I don't really like Buffalo. Yeah, Josh Allen. He he could be great. Um, but eh, I, I, I don't believe it yet. The Jets, um, let's see if they've got a quarterback or if he's got mono or something this year. Um, and and then I kind of see us winning those four, uh, splitting the division, and then winning three or four of the remaining fixtures with, um, say, the the Jags, the Panthers, the Bucks, the Saints, and the Falcons. Um, with that NFC South, I think there's a lot of middling teams there um, outside of the Saints. And I don't see Brady as the saviour of the Bucks, Um at least not not at first anyway. If he's going to do something in Tampa Bay, it's it's got to be a few weeks before things get going anyway. And we face them in week four. So hopefully early enough that if he does prove that he's the reason for the Patriots' success over the last few years, hopefully we get that game out of the way first.
0: Love it. So everyone agrees we're beating Brady, the uh, system quarterback. We're smashing the division. We're winning the Super Bowl, baby. Um, <laughs> <love it. laughs> There's loads of optimism. I love it. We're obviously all on the same page with that one. Can
1: we talk about Josh? Can, can I just can we just talk about Josh Allen for a quick minute here? I mean, I I, I have to say this. Like to me, and you know, the, I, I've been I've been saying this a lot about Justin Herbert. Is Justin Herbert is very similar to Josh Allen. Um, he actually has a better forty time than him, so he could be a better runner. Um, arm strength about the same. I think maybe Allen has 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 some more arm strength, but Herbert is a is a more accurate quarterback, not by a whole lot, but by some than Josh Allen is right now. So you give Herbert an extra year to develop and really focus on his passing technique, especially with a, a guru like Pep Hamilton. I mean, I think Herbert comes out the gate a far better quarterback than Buffalo, um, or than, than Josh Allen, and I think that puts us again better better defense than Buffalo, I believe. Probably a better offense, especially with Tarad at helm. I I have them in my initial predictions as a loss, but I really keep looking at that and going, I don't think Josh Allen's that good. I think Josh Allen still has time, still has a need to develop, and I don't think they've done anything to really help him develop there, like the Chargers have set up Herbert to develop. And I just think that, you know, you want to talk about your young quarterbacks who could lead the new dynasties. Why can't it be Herbert leading the dynasty and Buffalo just kind of being an afterthought? Because I, in all honesty, I think we got the better Josh Allen in Justin Herbert. Okay. That's it. I'm off my soapbox. Just,
3: just go, going back to the AFC West guys. Um, you look at Andy Reid's record. He's had a winning record in all of his uh, uh, seasons in charge of the chiefs. All but one have been by uh, um, double digits Chiefs can win our division at ten and six. They don't need to go sixteen and zero. And I think the Raiders and the Broncos and ourselves are trying to set up our teams to stop the the Chiefs. And I think everyone else will be the same. You know, the, the, the way that they go about their business, that high powered offense. I think that's where our strength lies is on the other side of the football. And that's why I think we'll 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 certainly knock the Chiefs off at the sofa, uh the SoFi. Super Bowl hangover people getting to their rhythm but the Chiefs don't need to win every game they they're probably favorites to win the division and rightly so but that's why I think we, we could we can knock them off and, and get a sneaky little win as we did at um the the uh, Arrowhead in 2018
1: Sorry, I just I just want to put put a little emphasis on something that uh, remember this is the new playoff format that has been approved and voted on. That means number two seed no longer gets a buy, and that buy it's been shown statistically that having a buy in the playoffs is a major advantage. So I know they don't need to win you know f- fifteen games. They don't need to be fifteen and one to uh, to win the division, but um, you know Baltimore's set up to win a lot of games again this year. Um, I I think that if they want to get that first round by which i think they do um they are going to have to try to win as many games as possible to try to outpace baltimore uh, so, and and tennessee so uh you know i don't know if i necessarily agree with the point that oh they don't you know they don't have to win so they may not be you know they've got the super bowl hangover they may not be like oh well we have to win all these games like mm, I, I think they do i think they're going to go into the season thinking hey we want to repeat and if we're going to repeat having a number one seed and having that bye. Could be crucial for rest uh, and for for preparing. So I, you know, again, do I think that we're going to sweep them? No, absolutely not. Do I think we could potentially beat them at SoFi? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. But let's not uh, let's not kind of, you know, look at that narrative of oh, well, they don't have to win that many games this year because I, I think I think the new format does kind of make it that way.
2: At least one thing to bear in mind with the Chiefs as well is. Andy Reid always wins his first game after a bye. And thankfully, we play them in week two and week 17. So that won't be a factor for us this year.
0: Bullet dodged. We're going to win them. Uh... <laughs> Super Bowl! 50-burger. 50-burger. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we, we're Super Bowl-bound, boys. Um, taking our f- attention off the team and how we're going to do, let's look at the battle for LA. Um, apparently, I, I've heard a rumour that... Um, we're moving into a new stadium, uh, and not only are we moving to this amazing new stadium, we're we're selling our tickets uh, for fifty pence a pop, and they're going to fill out with the tourists. Um, the Rams, something apparently something called an LA Ram, don't know what that is. To be fair, uh, is getting pretty annoyed, and then we're going to be on Hard Knocks featured uh, with our with our baby brother, the LA Rams, as well. So my question to you guys is, whose house, whose city, who's winning the battle for LA this season?
3: Clearly the Chargers. I mean, we, we, honestly, we, we don't know, do we? I mean, but by the time the, the lockdown's lifted, you might get everyone chomping at bit to go to the football. The doubters are just waiting for the Chargers not to fill the stadium. That's exactly what people want to see. Um, whether or not we can fill them, it, we'll just have to wait. But, I, I, you know, again, it's, a, it's the glass half full mentality. People want to go see live sport. They want to go see football. LA, you've got two teams. You've got a great opportunity there. Um, there'll be a lot of neutral fans, I'm guessing. Whether people start queuing up from Southern California, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But we've we, we just got to hope that we, we, we can create some sort of a home atmosphere that we've not seen at the StubHub in the last two or three seasons.
1: I mean, I think for me, it comes down to a few different things. Number one, I mean, obviously, if you're going to base it off who's got the best social media team chargers, obviously uh, they crush it uh, best in the league. In my opinion, um, who's got the better branding. Uh, it's gotta be the chargers. I mean, I mean, I don't know if we really want to get into this discussion on here. I don't know how much time you guys have for me to sit here and talk trash on it, but uh, that new logo and those new uniforms are just bad. I mean, judge J are just bad. And the chargers of course are the best in the league. So when you're talking about kind of these, off, you know, off the field things. I think even the Chargers take the victory there. Okay, now let's look on the field. Yes, the char- or yes, the Rams made it to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But guess what? That's old news. They've been they have not been that good since. And to be honest, they're not projected to be that good this year. Part of it's because they spent a ton of money that they probably shouldn't sure have. Uh, and now they're paying something like 50 million dollars uh, of of dead cap space to guys who aren't even on the team or who are injured or something. So it's it's ridiculous. What kind of situation they're in on an on-field perspective? And I just think that they are at best the third best team in their division. I I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe not. I guess it depends on how you feel about, uh, uh, the Cardinals, because I I clearly have Seattle and I clearly have San Francisco, uh, above the Rams. And, you know, honestly, Kyler's very exciting. That team in Arizona is, is, you know, has had some time to really work in that new system and, and, uh, you know, they look like they're going to take a step forward. So the Rams may finish bottom of their division, um, from the Chargers perspective, uh, you know, Obviously the, the chiefs rule the division. Okay. But after that, I think it's a grab. I mean, you know, the Raiders, the Broncos, sure. They, they had better seasons than us last season, but you know, that was mostly due to injury. We're getting most of those players back. Plus we made key additions to the offense and defense through free agency in the draft. I mean, Uh, The on-field product, I think, for the Chargers is going to be far and away better than the on-field product for the Rams. So, boom, that's another win for the Chargers. Uh, You know, I just, it's hard for me to think that we're, quote-unquote, losing the battle for LA. Um, The one issue, of course, is going to be, you know, the fan base. I mean, the Rams do have a built-in fan base. They played in LA for a much longer period than the Chargers did. Chargers had one year in the sixties At their initial year, they played in LA and then they moved down to San Diego and have been there since. Um, And then, um, you know, the Rams, they had plenty of time in LA to kind of build fans and have a, a core base already. So when they moved back, they had a core base of fans. And unfortunately for the Chargers, you know, they, I think they overestimated the amount of, of potential fans that they could win when they move to LA, you know, being from Southern California and, and knowing the, knowing how LA market's set up, there's a lot of transplants there. I mean, there are so many people who, who are not from the California area or at least the Southern California area who live in Los Angeles, that not only are you competing with the Rams, not only are you competing with the Raiders who have a massive following in LA, because that was kind of LA's team for a long time in the nineties and eighties. Um, you're, you're trying to compete with, the Packers and the Patriots and the Steelers and all these kind of classic teams who have very strong uh, roots and strong fan bases who have moved to L.A. for work and are raising families as those fans. They are not. They didn't raise them as a Rams fan or as a Charger fan or whatever. They raised them as a Packer fan because they were Packer fans when they grew up and they weren't going to give that up. So I think all oh, of that makes the fan base a real issue. Um, so filling the stadium, I don't know. It it it's yet to be seen. I, I don't believe it's going to be as bad as, as you know, that soccer stadium they tried to fill. I mean, I, I actually personally did not go to a single game at that stadium. I hate to admit that, but when I did go see them, I went and saw them either at an away game or I went and saw them, uh, when they played the Rams in the Coliseum, uh, which was by the way, a really, really cool, Uh, game, which had a lot of Charger fans there. Why? Because there were reasonably priced tickets. People seem to forget how expensive it was to try to go uh, to StubHub uh, slash Dignity Health Park, whatever. I mean, the cheapest ticket was like 150 bucks or something like that. And that was the cheapest ticket you could get. Um, You know, I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, real hardcore Charger fans who maybe have a little bit more discretionary money um, to fill up SoFi. Um, so, you know, I think that it, it may, from a, from a TV camera perspective, maybe they're, the Rams show out a little bit better in this first season, but I think based off everything else that the Chargers are clearly the better team on, I think that, plus, I, believe, I truly believe they're a playoff team this year. If they make the playoffs and the Rams don't, I think year two in SoFi, you're going to see a lot more Charger fans in the stadium than you do Rams fans. It's just my personal opinion.
3: It's it's an experiment, isn't it? Relocating a franchise is an experiment. Um the same for the Raiders when they go to Vegas. We don't know what's gonna happen. Be a lot of tourists there, the same as LA, but let let's see.
2: So I was kinda of looking at the um the Rams schedule just now and I, I'm with you, John. I think they're third at best in their division. I'd probably put them below the Cardinals. I find it hard to see them winning more than two divisional games i don't think they'll win either against the niners um or the seahawks um and then we've got five common games with them we're both playing the afc east and we're both playing the bucks i'd be really interested to see if we come out of those five games with a better record than the rams come out of theirs um i imagine we will um and that may not mean anything in the grand scheme of things but you'd like to think that something like that could be noticed Um, But it does feel like there's that media bias of, well, they don't have any fans, let's not talk about them.
0: Yeah, well, look, it's, it's it's our house. I don't care what anyone tells me. Who's house? Chargers' house! <laughs> look, exactly as John said, we had this marketing campaign that knocked it out of the park and we came up with the, the hottest, the greatest uniforms in the entirety of sport. Not just the NFL, in any sport whatsoever. And you know, I, I love my Sheffield Wednesday kit, um, but it, it's just not even in the same league as the Chargers, Chargers powder blues. Um, marketing ca- incredible. And then you look at the Rams. What is that, mate? Come on, stop copying my homework and doing a bad job about it. About it. They stuck two bananas on their helmet for goodness <laughs> sake. You know, we've, we've, we've outmoved them and outclassed them with the pricing in a stadium where we're giving reasonable... In England we have uh, obviously 20's plenty where you don't want to be charging more than 20 quid at a stadium. You know, charges are ahead of the game. Charge reasonable prices, fill the stadium, get tourists in. Who cares? It's all revenue. Um, we're a better team. They've given all their money to Goth, They're going to be terrible. They're the worst team in their division. Don't even know what an LA Ram is. No idea. It, it's our city. It's, it's, our, it's our super bowl and uh, you know what sod off Rams that's what I've got to say this city is powder blue The city is definitely powder blue um, on that note guys I'm, I'm going to wrap it up for, for this episode what I want to say is for everyone listening thanks for, for, for getting on board and we really really want your emails or even better record yourself get an audio clip uh, and email it to editor at chargedupbolts.com and um, we want to hear get your content. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Charged Up Pod. Um, guys, just go around the table. Where are you
1: on Twitter?
3: At enzone 85
1: Yeah, you can. Uh, I don't know how this is going to translate over the air, but you can find me at Adroit Airs. That's A D R O I T A Y E R S. At AdroitAirs Airs on Twitter.
2: And I'm at UKLA Chargers.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks,
0: guys, for for listening. Stay safe, stay well, um, and we really look forward to, to speaking to you next week. And look at that, perfect timing, episode one. He's about to tell me my curry's ready. Let's see if we can get him on speaker. Hello, speaking. Hi Elliot, I'm just going from Hawaii to let you know your meals are due. ready for collection.